Welcome everybody to episode 10 of Beers in the Lot. This is a big milestone episode for us. Episode 10. We're also going to check off another milestone tonight. Our first guest. We're welcoming you, Mark Meriday from the Steel City Nation podcast. We're talking a ton of pens. We're very excited to bring you episode 10. But first, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcatcher. And also, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Beers in the Lot. Enjoy, guys. Everybody got a beer? I yeah. do. Right on. Absolutely. It's Tuesday night. I've been online all day looking at <laughs> Names and boxes. That's what I mean. Names and boxes. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Uh-oh, Aaron. That kind of looks like a seltzer. <laughs> this isn't a seltzer. This is Good. an abolitionist ale works. It's a barrel-aged farmhouse amber ale. I'm trying to step up the game here, guys. <laughs> No more three weeks in a row of bush. I'm going to have some beer. We just saw Jenny Cream. Oh. Hey, Jenny Cream's good stuff. I'm, I'm all about Jenny Cream. Uh, what are you drinking tonight, Daniel? Uh, I got a Voodoo Ranger Higher Plane IPA. You know, nothing special. What about you, Riggs? So I went with uh, Flying Dogs Cujo Cold Brew Coffee Porter. Since it is fall, it's Excellent. their other fall beer. Nice. So, yep. Try and stay awake tonight. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on over there, John? Uh, I have uh, the last of my jailbreak brewing, the banana heffa that I've been crushing because I enjoy it so much. Um, yeah, right down the street, local brew. We support that stuff. Um, yeah, man. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, I believe someone chimed in earlier with Jenny Cream. Who was that? Who was that? It was Mark. <laughs> oh, no. Don't hang your head in shame. Don't hang your head in shame because of that. There's nothing wrong with Jenny Cream. It's such a Pennsylvania. Yeah. I guess I guess we need to introduce Mr. Mark Meriday, who is the host of the Steel City Nation podcast. Iron City Built, right? That's your tagline. Yeah. Uh, so definitely... Uh, Pittsburgh sports focus, but uh, I think he covers uh, pretty much all teams and sports uh, around the country and the world. Um, he's had um, some pretty interesting guests on his show. I think uh, recently I saw uh, Leon Searcy was on there, uh, for, yeah. you know, yeah. a retired NFL player. Uh, he's actually had Pittsburgh dad on, which I <laughs> thought was awesome because I'm a huge <laughs> fan of Pittsburgh dad on the YouTube um he's had various uh pittsburgh sports media personalities on so he has some uh some insider information and connections uh with pittsburgh sports and i think tonight uh we're going to focus mostly on uh the penguins which means i'm now outnumbered instead of three to one now four to one uh <laughs> pittsburgh guys against uh the washington caps guy so Hey, don't forget um, the other uh, recent guests that he's had, uh, our very own Eric and John. From oh, I forgot about oh, that. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, actually, thanks to him, the day after Eric and I were on, we kind of were texting each other how much fun we had. Leading up to it, we just hoped we wouldn't shove our foots in our mouths. Uh, I definitely <laughs> did. Uh, so I'll say that that was Carey Price. Um, he's a good goalie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
but Eric and I really kind of got like a bug to do it as goofy as it was. So we definitely want to thank you for kind of giving us that little, a little taste and then we wanted more. So yeah, definitely. You know what I'm going to sure. do now when the uh, new season starts coming around, I'll get all you guys and bring you on my show and we'll do a, a breakdown of the season ahead. And we won't talk all penguins since the vast majority of us are, are penguin fans. Hey, I want to share my beverage. I'm having a uh, steel city nation podcast, homemade pear cider. Ooh, okay. That's right. Hey. Excellent. Mark, Mark makes his own cider. <laughs> Hyper- <laughs> a little hard cider awesome. never gives anybody, right? Absolutely. That's right. Nothing wrong with that. Came on here to flex his beer, man. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Came to the right place. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> All right, Danny. Start us off on the Penguins. What the hell is going on with Jim Rutherford in that fucking front office? well hopefully he's put the phone down for for the rest of the uh off season but yeah uh, yeah so i mean they got rid of that bad contract with jack johnson so we like that i know you were a little iffy on how they did it but uh i say him him being out is is a good thing uh I, i wasn't uh too glad about schultz i thought he had a little bit more I also thought that it was due due to who he was paired with. Um, the Johnson <laughs> anchor dragon. Yeah, down. exactly. <laughs> um, who else did they pick up? They picked up uh, Colton Sevier. They picked up CC. Uh, yeah, yeah, that yeah, was yes, that's right. right. I forgot about that. For a well, very team friendly deal. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. He's going to be a sixth or if necessary, seventh defenseman, depending on who steps up for them. That's, you know, he, he's a number one pick from the 2012 draft. Uh, he's like the eighth guy the Penguins had picked up who had been in the first round in that draft. They haven't necessarily panned out for him. But, you know, one of these guys has to latch on and, and play up to his capability. <laughs> and the and the interesting thing with the CC thing, you know, you kind of heard rumblings at the end of the offseason from Mike Sullivan. They wanted a left shot, right shot pair all throughout the lineup, at least with their six guys. And now that gives them that. Uh, even Ruedel and Ricola, who are now kind of that seventh and eighth, they also alternate as well, right shot, left shot. So depending on how you mix and match those pairs, that'll be interesting to see because Matheson, too, coming over in the Hornquist deal with Sevier, that contract could look really good depending on what role he fills with the Penguins. It could look really good. I know the term on it is a little, little long, but like I said, the dollars make sense moving forward if he pans out in that top four, you know, power play type role as well. Like Schultz anchored for a while. Yep. I think the hope is that he, he is uh, resurrected by Reardon. They brought Reardon in to coach that defense. When Reardon was there before he did an outstanding job on that defense. That's, that's what he is. He's a defensive minded guy. And um, they're thinking that fresh voice on that bench might help that defense as well. Um, you know, going back to Jack Johnson, that albatross that they got rid of in terms of that contract, he went to the Rangers. <laughs> they they did as a favor, <laughs> you know. And I, the thing that kind of aggravated me the most about that, unfortunately, is Jim Rutherford throughout his time being with the Penguins, he has not been afraid a to move bodies clearly, but b he has had no problem throwing away first or second round picks. The yeah. Penguins, you know, between Rust. 
and some of the other guys they've gotten in some of their drafts, it's always been second or later. So they do have, at least so far, have a good track record of picking up guys after the first round. But my issue was Stahl was traded from the Rangers for a second round pick to Detroit just to essentially take that contract. The Pens still had to buy Jack Johnson out. And then JJ ends up on the Rangers at a, was a 1.125, I think, was his term yeah. for one year. Yeah. I, I wish they almost would have just traded another second round pick to the Rangers, you know, a, a year or two down the line just to not have that buyout. My opinion on the buyout, and I've said it on here, if you're a general manager and you have to buy out your own contract, that's not a good look. Well, what did we call it? An admission of guilt? I it's said it was, yeah. I said said it was yeah. an admission of guilt. <laughs> um, so that that complex thing. Mark, what do you think the forward pair lines are going to look like after the Kapanen and now Zucker will have a full season and Jankowski and a few other guys were brought back into the fold? What do you think their top six slash bottom six is going to look like? So I talked to Dan Konjerski of Pittsburgh Hockey now. Uh, just a I dropped his podcast just a few weeks ago on Still City Nation, and he told me that uh, Kapanen was brought in to skate with Sid. Bottom line, he's brought in to skate with Sid. It's going to be Gensel, Sid, Kapanen. Most likely it's going to be Russ Zucker and uh, uh, Gino. And then that third and fourth line, you know that fourth line is going to probably stay status quo with Bluger and uh, Ashton Reese. Um, come on, help me, guys. Who's the other guy? Sevier and then Tanev. Would probably right. occupy that, and then I think it's going to be Tanner. There's no question yeah. about it. If you look, they gave him all that money last year. And if there's one guy I felt, and I think you guys might agree with this, even Riggs, who's a, who's a big Caps guy, Tanner is all over the ice. He's a game changer. He's yep. he's a younger version of of Haglin, to be honest with you. And um, you know, you got to keep him in that role. He's got to skate fourth line minutes because he gets out there and does so much penalty killing and, and stuff like that. And then he's always that line did a great job against top lines from other teams. That third line is is going to be hit or hit or miss now with Jankowski coming in. I mean, it, it's going to be interesting the way they piece that thing together. Yeah, and I've seen some early looks now where McCann. I mean, I I said it on your podcast actually. I like the depth of the Penguins going into that round against the Habs and McCann had a horrible series. I don't know if it was a lingering injury. He never got back up to snuff, you know, from the break, but McCann can play that center wing role, you know, depending on what day it is. I would like yeah. to see McCann Jankowski. I'm intrigued by him because he's a younger kid. He has put up points in the league and at the AHL. So that'll be interesting to give him some minutes, especially in a lineup where depending on how the lines shape up that night, he could be playing with some higher, skilled guys and even if you look at the pens bottom six on paper right now there are guys that can move and then i think evan rodriguez will probably occupy that other wing with that third line i i want to see a lot out of evan rodriguez because there was that stigma when he came out of bu that he was just jack eichel's running mate and given his time in the nhl i wouldn't say it looks like that because he's very serviceable but even when the pens had him we didn't really do much with him and i don't know if that's a product of the restart or what well, one of the things they said when they when they got back in there and did, you know, training camp 2.0 or whatever you want to call it before they, they did the restart, they said the best guy, one of the two best guys on the ice for the Penguins was was Rodriguez. Yeah. They they hmm. said he, you know, he he looked really solid out there. And uh, they were glad to see him get cut loose when he did. And I don't know if there was something worked under underneath there to get him cut loose that they could re get him, you know, 
snag him back up or whatever. But he was one of the two guys who was really, really out there flying around on the ice before the restart. Um, you know, I, I thought it was a good pickup too. Th- that line right there is really that, that's four million or less. That whole line, if you think about it, that that mm-hmm. third line, that's not a very expensive line. You pay more for that fourth line than you are there. <laughs> that's true. Pretty good value. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And especially when you look at some teams, what they're paying their current lineup, it's, I mean, pens are a cap team. We know that. Um, so we got to find value, especially wherever it is. And it's interesting. You mentioned kind of, we traded him to Toronto just to kind of get, you know, the ball rolling. And then he was cut loose. It almost kind of reminds me of that Marcus Pedersen deal a few years ago where he took yeah. a low offer in the off season for one year. And then when January rolled around and he could resign, he resigned for the higher dollar value, almost like a help us out now so we can get under the cap and cap compliant. And then come January, we'll reward you. Uh, I, maybe Jim Rutherford had something to do. And I, I would like to think that, you know, that he does good by the players. Cause unfortunately a lot of the players that have left Pittsburgh, Jim Rutherford's kind of kicked them in the pants on the way out the door. I don't think that that Patrick bodes well. Hornquist. Yep. Patrick Hornquist, yep. Justin Schultz. <laughs> and you even look, a lot of the players weren't, you know, very vocal about it, which I mean, Hornquist did kind of say, you know, one team wanted me, one team didn't made my decision easy, but, you look at Chicago now, what they're going through with Jonathan Taves talking about how they don't want to do a rebuild and all this. And then, of course, they issued a letter to fans today. Hey, we're rebuilding. You know, we're <laughs> retooling the roster. Sorry. So I'm curious to see what Jonathan Taves will say about that. But what what other things do you have, uh, Mark, on the pens, like kind of this offseason? It's been a little weird, don't you think? Well, the other thing, going back to what you were saying about Schultz, um, Kondersky was in in a locker room in a meet somewhere where a player made the comment about Schultz as as uh, Rutherford made that deliberate and nasty comment towards him. Uh, the other player said, "I know I'm leaving this offseason. I hope I don't get thrown under the bus like that, also or whatever." So apparently wow. there there's some bad blood there from half of those guys. They 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 feel like Rutherford uh, holds no value in them. Um, you know, Johnny, I what'd you say again? Oh, I was just saying, I was just saying, it's kind of been a weird off season where very, you know, there's been so much talk around the pens about they got to move this, they got to move that, they got to do this, they got to do that. And you kind of look now kind of in a somewhat completed roster and you go on paper, this looks pretty good at this point. I feel much more confident today than I did after the Hornquist trade. The one thing that does bug me is I think defensively, they're not as big as they should be. Um, oh, dude! Don't start the size no, thing. Though. No, no, like, no. Well, as a shorter guy, I understand, <laughs> but I'm saying there's no one there that's really going to push anyone. <laughs> Hold on, come on. There's no one there. There's no one there that I see that's really going to dig for pucks. Who's going to make sure? Who's going to make you really yeah, get out of the way? Right, but in terms of the net. But do they need to play that way? With the with the roster construction that they have now, I don't. They I don't have. They have a a ton like that top six now. I think is is uh, back to that one two punch again. Um, with the moves that they made, uh, that third line for the money is ridiculous. Uh, the fourth line I think is suspect. I think, and I know I've heard you guys make comments about him, but Zach Aston Reese is not that great nope. um and i'm not I think, a big fan he is on and, injury reserve for six months 
Right, yeah. but I mean, when are we starting the season? So, like, <laughs> like yeah. So you know, I I think he's he's a proverbial uh, boat anchor for that group, and and they're not going to mm-hmm. see a lot of time, and they shouldn't because they're the fourth line. But still, like if you're if as we've seen in the NHL the last probably five years or so, you have to have four lines to be successful and to make deep runs in playoffs. Um, they maybe aren't there. But going back to the defense now, I think they're okay. I I think I think you you definitely upgraded uh by losing Jack Johnson, uh letting Justin Schultz walk probably wasn't the best thing. But at the same time, uh there's still some serviceable guys there. Marino's still there, right? Yeah. Um, like there's still some guys there that can play and they can skate. They have some skill. Um, so I wouldn't get hung up on size. I think GMs around the league get hung up too much on size um, and, and grit and all these other things. Yeah, that's important. Um, but if you're skilled and you can play a certain style, you can play the, the possession hockey style that, you know, a Sid Crosby and a G- Gino Malkin want to play. Um, maybe you don't need to, you know, sit back there and beat people up in front of your net or or in the corners or on the walls. Um, if you have the puck, right? If you think about it too, like the the guys in the league who are big, who are the ones you think of? Obviously, Victor Hedman because he's fresh in our minds. But you think of the ones that are also good hockey players, not just big guys who are banging bodies. I mean. Size is important, but it's not so much as important as skill is important. Well, Jack Johnson had size. Exactly. And <laughs> well, we'll see the only the only the only I think of a guy like Hal Gill, like he big dude, but he's just too slow. He's not see, good the only to, the to only think. reason I bring yeah. the size thing up kind of is we had two defensemen <laughs> in somewhat recent history with Erica Branson and Jamie Alexiak, who could skate, had skill, and they're big. So I would say like kind of a poor man's Victor Hedman in terms of the fact that they're very smart with the puck. They make the right moves and they're big and they can kind of play any which way. I like that. And especially with a team like Pittsburgh, where you're not going to have kind of your top two lines. If you get hemmed in your zone, they're going to try and dig the puck out. You have Latang, I would say is a little more aggressive, but he's a little emotional in the wrong way. He's not going to lay somebody out you know, in front of the net, he's going to slash him in the back of the leg. <laughs> take a take out of a goofy penalty. Yeah, a bad penalty. That's, that's the only reason I bring that up. Um, but that's just my, that's just me thinking that. I didn't like the Alexiak move. I thought he was solid for Pittsburgh. <laughs> I, I, thought, I, thought yep. that was a, I don't know why we dumped him. Uh, it didn't make any sense to me. The Gabranson thing, I mean, that was just moving around pieces in a in a chess game see if you could squeeze something out of him that contract was just way too big for what he brought to the table yeah he could move yeah he took care of his own end but as a six defenseman bringing in a four four and a half million dollar contract I mean that was too much much. exactly um you know the top four for the Penguins I think are solid it just the whole Latang thing, Latang can only play with Dumoulin because Dumoulin stays home and he can make plays out of his end when Latang gets them in trouble. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree with the Latang thing. I I like him. I'm a, I'm very curious to see too what happens with the Pens this year because this is kind of the year 
it's a big make or break year for the the organization in general. You know, you talk about kind of the salary cap constraints. Then you talk about, you know, Sid and Gino are another year older. Latang's another year older. You have this new goalie tandem starting with the Smith and Jerry. And then you have to really kind of think how the pieces are going to work moving forward after this year too. You know that Jim Rutherford, I mean, I mentioned it earlier, you know, him kind of trading away draft picks and somewhat of the prospects. I mean, we got rid of Addison in the last couple of years. Halinder, there's a few others I can't even remember. I mean, the lo- it's a laundry list at this point of guys we've had, and he kind of got away from them a few years ago. The Pens, Mark, you may remember, we had like Joe Morrow, Scott Harrington. We had this quote-unquote young stable of defensemen, and the Penguins slowly but surely churned through all four of the prospects, and none yep. of those guys have panned out. So the Pens, at least when they got rid of all those guys, it looked very favorable for them because they returned them all for players. But actually, I, I kind of hope. Isn't he? Where's he now? Columbus. Well, apparently, yeah, Columbus, according uh, to you, uh, he was play, uh, working at a mattress store. No, that was <laughs> last uh, time I said that. No, no, no. It wasn't Harrington. I forget who it was. <laughs> there was another one. I kept saying he was selling Ottomans or something. It, yeah. it was Harrington. That's the one I ran <laughs> into. <laughs> yeah, I ran into no, Lucky's Bar. It was Harrington? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure it wasn't like a mattress warehouse? You sure. It could have been any kid that looked like he played hockey. Yeah, that too. <laughs> Rutherford just has no problem trading anybody, though. I mean, it's just scary. So what? I think Lemieux really has to sit on him sometimes. Who knows who he would have traded by now? But see, I'm curious. Hmm. Do you think that's all Rutherford? Because I kind of mentioned it the other week where you see all these moves. Do you think maybe Mario's kind of pulling the strings a little bit? I mean, I understand I from what from what you hear, he's very hands off, but he is a Lemieux. <laughs> I honestly think he says, "Here's your budget. We expect a cup run. Let's go get it." I, I yeah. think Lemieux is, is plays very hands off. I think he trusts Rutherford. Rutherford earned it by winning two cups in sixteen and seventeen, but the well has run dry now. The last three years, you know, I mean. What did they? They've won like what three playoff games or four playoff games in the last three years? I mean, that's mm. yeah. That's how, how, and I've asked this question before to these guys: How much of those rosters in sixteen and seventeen were really his guys, though? Right? I mean, he was still kind of, I think, in that in those transition series from Shiro where a lot of Shiro's guys were still there and the roster was still constructed in that sort of Shiro plan, right? And and so so now are we really seeing the results of, you know, Rutherford's moves and they're just not they're not there. Well, the other question too, like we're talking about how the well is running dry in terms of offense down in the minors, but uh, do you think it's because they're just trying to stack up for the last few years of this window in the uh, Sydney? You got to think that that's really what it is. Yeah. 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 I mean, wouldn't you do that? I mean, since Absolutely, yeah. Gino's 34, Latang's 34, you know, I mean, you're reasonably speaking, your high end superstars like that have never won a cup after the age of 30. So what they did a few years back was pretty tremendous, if you really right. think about it. And, and even Ovechkin, to, to throw some credit that way, I mean, he was 31 when he won his cup, or 32? 
Right. You know? Right. I mean that that just that's unheard of in the NHL, to be honest with you, especially with so many young kids coming in. You know. Yeah. Yeah. The league has definitely got younger, right? And that's a testament to a lot of the uh you know national uh governing hockey bodies right focusing on development and younger players so now the players coming in at 19 20 21 are that much more prepared uh to play in the national league right so they're so skilled too yeah when they come in they have all the skill and talent already they're there they're ready to go Mm -hmm. they may not have the uh mental game right um and that's probably what separates uh superstars like Sid and Gino and Ovi and and these type of guys, um, you know, from those younger yeah. players. But it doesn't take long for them to catch up. I, I think it took it's taken Connor McDavid a long time to catch up. He's at a disadvantage. He's at a disadvantage <laughs> yeah. in Edmonton. Like Edmonton has had such a horrible track record with developing players. We've talked They've about it before. So, yeah, so many number one picks and. You know, how many of them do they still have? Two McDavid and, yeah. and uh, Nugent Hopkins. Yeah. You know, well, we got I, Schultz off him. And you yeah. see how that turned yeah. out. Yeah. Well, yeah. Schultz, so, Schultz was yeah. an undrafted free agent. He was and undrafted. Marino. NCAA. Yeah. We and got Marino. Marino. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the Penguins are doing a good job of picking pockets when they need to, but. Mm-hmm. But only from, Ed, is, only from Edmonton. Maybe yeah, Edmonton's Edmonton. doing a bad job of knowing what they have. Just yeah. let Edmonton draft a defenseman and just try to get him. <laughs> yeah. Draft anybody and try and get them because they're yeah. not going to develop them. <laughs> exactly. So you might as well you might as well buy when you know buy low, right? Buy low. Uh, so high. Yeah. Right. So yeah, we'll give you a uh, sixth round. <laughs> yeah. I just I guess we'll take them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what when do you think, Mark? When do you think the Penguins are gonna cut the cord? I I definitely see Sid retiring a Pittsburgh Penguin. Gino, on the other hand, I think that's a wild card. Do they want to keep them both there or what's gonna happen? Or what do you even think, you know, in the coming years? What do you think that team's gonna look like? So year before last, when you were hearing all those rumors in the summer that Rutherford was interested in trading Gino. They were closing in on a deal with Florida. That wasn't just, you know, smoke. That was reality. And apparently Crosby went to a meeting, sat down with those guys and said, you know, this is a one-two punch. You're going to keep him. And he had the backing of Lemieux who was there with them. And, um, I don't know if they'll ever cut bait with with Gino. I could see them cutting bait with Latang. I could see Latang ending up in Montreal or a Canadian province. No question about it. I mean, I, I totally believe that will happen. I could see Gino and Sid both ending up as Penguins, though. I, I just I, into the twilight of their career, I see that happening. Yeah, and so it's I, interesting that you mentioned Latang on that because at the end of the season he he did that presser and said, I really want to play here in Pittsburgh. Like almost like it, it didn't sound like a player who just lost, he needs to resign. It was almost like a player pleading to kind of, no, please don't move me. Like, what are you doing? Hmm. Like almost <laughs> like latching onto the boot there. So Let's face do, it. do those guys does that do those core players like it, I know with with Washington 
there's that connection between Backstrom and Ovechkin, right? And yeah. it, there's a connection on the ice. There's a connection off the ice. And uh, there's there's very much a, a business and a financial connection that we all talk about uh, contract-wise. Is there any of that in the Pens core? Like if if uh, if Sid extends or if Gino extends or if Latang extends, are the other one or two going to stay with them? Crosby's going to get eight point seven million his whole entire. Life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's never going to diversify away from that. And yeah. Gino, yeah, yeah, you know it's his role. Um, many years ago, at a point, Crosby was hurt. And Gino was leading them out of the tunnel. You know, last guy, I should say, he was bringing up the caboose. And Crosby came back. And ever since then, he succeeded to Gino, continuing to be the last guy out when they're both healthy and they're both playing. I think they have a very strong relationship, but they don't talk about that in Pittsburgh. You don't hear about that. You really don't hear about Latang having bonds. Mm. One of the things that, like, I really think stirred the pot for them, um, understandably so, was when Flurry left. Murray right. was the guy in that locker room, and he yeah. was the common factor. That's why you heard a lot of stuff going on here uh, over the last month or so about Flurry coming back to Pittsburgh. I think they were jockeying around to try and figure out how can we move some money around and bring him back. Can we get them to eat this amount? Can we move a guy over here? Because of that locker room, to be honest with you, is missing that guy. I know Konjerski told me that when they got to – Toronto to play the 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 playing games that after they were down and they were getting to the elimination game, a bunch of those guys left the bubble. They didn't even care anymore. Like oh man! And I, I think I shared this with you, Riggs. There were Capitals who left the bubble. There were Penguins who left the bubble. The, the teams that we love and and think, oh, those guys are dedicated to it. Those are guys who just walked off. They were like, eh, I don't really want to do this. I'm good with it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, the one image that always sticks out to me, especially you hear Penguins core, was when Dupuis had those blood clot issues and he was kind of announcing his retirement and kind of, you know, discussing the first pop, you know, issue of the blood clots. And there was a image from the presser where it was Kunitz, Latang, Gino, Sydney, Flower. And I think those were the that grouping was in the back corner and they all clearly were visibly upset. Hmm. And I always thought, you know, with the cup runs and just what that team's been through, that's the core right there. And if you look at who's standing from that core, it's three out of those six guys. So you Dupuis retirement Kunitz left and is now retired. Flurry went to Vegas and he may or may not be at Vegas, you know, when <laughs> the puck drops again. I guess we'll see what happens, but yeah. I, <laughs> I can't move him. <laughs> not yet. We'll see what I happens. Can't move him. Learner's hurt. Yeah, Leonard's out right now, but we'll see. If it if it stretches longer, Leonard may be ready. We'll see. But um I, I always get that image of that's the penguins core. And now that there's only three, it doesn't seem that there's something like that excitement kind of like you're talking about, where they're like maybe not necessarily not as vested, but definitely kind of that, that juice around the team that you get. And I want to chip in here too, in regards to Latang and how there's not really bonds. Mark, like you said, there's not really, 
you don't get this impression that there's bonds with Latang. I think that a lot of Pens fans have a love hate relationship with Latang anyway. It's like, what have you done for me lately? Kind of scenario. And he's, you know, he he does some things that you're like, stop it, don't do that anymore. I see him moving before anything else. If I think that, like you guys said, the uh, the locker room guy's gone. Uh, these guys are starting to get to the twilights of their careers. It wouldn't surprise me if Latang wants to stay a Penguin, but wouldn't mind going to a Montreal and playing with some other French speakers. You know, like what he wants. Sid probably wouldn't mind it if he played. Whoa, whoa, whoa! In easy, Montreal. easy now. He'll easy. never move. It was his favorite team growing up. <laughs> it was his it team. Was it was his team. He wouldn't and, mind playing for Montreal, but I, I, that would be if the Penguins didn't like him anymore. And and it, Mario's running the helm, so no. We'll and run them out for one game. And Aaron, Mark, game. Mark can probably back me up on this. It Pittsburgh fans don't have a love-hate relationship with just him. There's a lot of people that fall into that category depending on the day. Sure. So, yeah, sure. Well, <laughs> it's, not, it's not just in hockey in Pittsburgh either. Yeah. There's a, oh, yeah. uh, that's a board sports <laughs> there. They're always interested. I'll let the you know I, about here's it. Here's my thing with Latang though. As a core guy... I can't ever see Latang standing up and saying, you know, let's tighten up the skates, let's get out there and let's kick ass. I just never see that guy doing that. I never see him getting in a presser and, and speaking his mind and talking about the state of the team after a difficult letdown of, of a series or, or, or a game. He just is not a leader type. Yes, he's a hell of a player. I get it. Paul Coffey you know, through his support behind Latang being one of the three best defensemen ever playing for the Penguins. Uh, but, you know, the bottom line is, like, tomorrow the sun's going to come up if Latang moves on for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to be pretty freaking bummed out if Crosby ever goes. Yeah, yeah. Okay? I'm going to be pretty bummed out if Malkin ever goes. But if Latang goes and we get something viable – Thanks for what you did for us. I agree that you were a great player. Thanks for the two cups. Good luck where you're going. Yeah. That's just how I feel about it, though. Well, I would say three, even though he didn't play in the one. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the other yeah. thing, Latang's had some hard miles. I mean, <laughs> Sid, Gino, they all have really had some hard miles, but like Latang's had the neck issue. He had a stroke. He had a severe knee injury and a back injury, too, and concussions on top of that. He has a lot of miles. For a guy that logs the minutes he does as well, that's a lot. Let's just just suppose Matheson comes in and he lives up to his potential, okay? Because he's supposed to be one hell of a player, right? That's why they gave him a lot of money in Florida. They expected a lot out of him. Let's say Reardon finds that in him and he finds it in Pittsburgh. Can you move Latang, move Matheson up and still, you know, function? Yeah, you probably can. Hmm. Probably I think that I think Marino comes up. I think Marino comes up in that. Lineup. Um, he's left-handed though, right? Is Marino left or right? I can't remember. He's lefty, I believe. Okay, so so is Dumoulin. You're not going to have Marino and Dumoulin. I don't no. know. I can't. I, yeah, I know they they like, right I can't move Dumoulin. He slams three beers at once. That's you, know, you need that in the locker room. You definitely need that. You need that glue guy. guy. Yeah. Glue yeah, guy. Exactly. <laughs> Well, Mark, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it that you spent some time with us tonight. Um, I just want to give you the opportunity now to uh, let us know uh, what's coming up for you on your podcast and what what you're doing here in the future. Okay. Thanks a lot, guys. I I really enjoyed myself talking with you guys. Uh, 
it's always fun to talk hockey year round. Um, I, I always say, you know, I coached high school football for over 20 years and I, I always say today, uh, you know, football was my number one, but hockey was always my one a even growing up. So it's always fun to talk, especially penguin hockey. Um, I appreciate that. Um, you know, on still city nation podcast, um, this week we're doing a best of show with some of our best guests we have, including Pittsburgh dad. Um, I had Amber Theo Harris on last week. She was awesome to listen to. She's really done some great things with her career. Like I said, we are Leon Searcy on, uh, Dan Konjerski of Pittsburgh Hockey now. We've got some great guests coming up. We've got uh, Chris Samuels from from the uh, former Washington Redskin is coming up for us. Gus Farrat, former Washington Redskin. So we've got some great people coming on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> little head bang there. But um, you know, I, I appreciate it. And, and uh, you know, listen to Still City Nation podcast after you're done listening to Beers in the Lot with these guys. And thanks again. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Hey, didn't you say you were, uh, you're going to be somewhere? Oh yeah. This Saturday I'll, I'll be at Baker park in Frederick. They're doing a, uh, it's called Jericho's silent man March. It's about fatherhood. And, um, it's a big, it's a big production that's going on there. And, uh, my friend who's running with David Brooks asked me to set a booth up there. So I'll have some, some goodies to give away there and um, just, you know, talk about the podcast and I'll, I'll plug you guys there. If you got anything you want me to say for you guys, I'll definitely give you a plug there too. No problem. (laughs) Mark Meredith's uh, steel city nation podcast. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Iron city built. So do we want to talk about Johnstown or I like how anytime we refer to anyone not in our hockey group, you always say Rigsby civilians. Civilians. Every time Rigsby treats well, the whole thing like it's a tour of duty. Well, no, because it really in, like, in theater, theater. Think about it. When we're when we're there, like it's where are we? Where are we, Rigsby? We're in theater. That's right. <laughs> it's when we're there, we're in theater because think about like all the coordination that has to happen to move like 15 guys yeah. around the town. Right. So like, uh, our captain, uh, we won't mention names yet. Oh, captain, they, my captain. They haven't been on the show yet, but once they are on the show, then we can start mentioning names. But <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, our captain coordinates moving everybody around the town in theater right just like if we were on a mission you know somewhere overseas it's the same thing (laughs) it's it's the same thing so we have one guy that's in charge in theater right that moves everybody around and gets everybody where they need to be at the right time we we've got to drop his nickname and Okay, so well, uh, let me talk. Do you remember the story? Of, do you remember the story of how he got his nickname? No. Okay. So when so when we go up there and play, right? We have to play at least the one game at the other rink at the north north, north central recreation central center. recreation center, which is in Ebensburg, PA, which is about twenty minutes away from Johnstown, right? So we were there. We played our game. And when we were walking out, uh, some guys like to partake not only in the customary post-game beers, but also a customary post-game cigar. And said captain had a big, fat cigar in his mouth, and he was 
strolling across the parking lot barking out what the plan was going to be for the afternoon <laughs> and i said yes sir sarge <laughs> and so he's been sarge ever since because he just reminded me of like some old grizzled sergeant sergeant in theater with his cigar in barking out orders to everybody so sarge is, is he's in command in theater maybe we'll uh maybe we'll have him on uh on the show here when we're in theater uh yeah, so this coming theater. weekend in johnstown for the slapshot cup tournament i think that's going to do it for tonight thanks for the listen everybody be sure to follow us on social media on twitter facebook instagram at beers and a lot be sure to subscribe rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and thanks for listening <laughs>